Now then, welcome back to uh, another episode of the Sitcom Archive Deep Dive Overdrive. I'm Eggs Benedict. And I'm Alison Barton-Simmons. And together, we're a couple of saddos who um, like to spend our time once a week, sometimes twice a week, um, diving into past episodes of The Good Life forensically and um, seeing what it was about it that made us so happy in our childhood and continues to bring a smile to our face when we're watching back now. Do you find watching it as an adult, um, obviously you've watched it through different eyes, aren't you, as as a grown-up? Definitely. Have you, have, you, have you found that more, having to sort of do it forensically um, for the podcast, are you seeing it even differently again, do you think? It, it doesn't diminish the enjoyment of it at all, but it just makes you realise how clever the writing is when you do it in such detail, you know. It's, it's I've so well written. that too. Mm. It's, I mean, it's, we're going to do other series, but I, I would say it's possibly the, the, the most well-written sitcom of that era. You know? I, t- I tend to agree. Yeah, I think where we're up to now as well, we are on series two, episode six. Um, it's just, it, for me, it just feels like it's it's just another step up every week. Yes, this one, this one's um, it's quite an emotional one, isn't it? It's called Home Sweet Home and it's quite, yes. pulls at the heartstrings, this one. There was there was things that I found when I'm re-watching it now um, as an adult, Um Things that that would have gone completely over my head as a kid. Mm. Things between between the goods, it, yeah. That, that you that you sort of you 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 buy into as an adult. Um, I think a bit more deeply. So so with this episode, um, as with every episode, you can um, we tweet we tweet links to where you can watch the original Good Life episode for free on Daily Motion um, the day before our new episode drops. So if you follow our link, you'll be able to watch it or just search for it on um, Daily Motion. Some of the episodes are on YouTube or, you know, it's on um, BritBox and there's DVDs available. So you can watch the episode and then join us when we uh, pull it apart the following day. That's what we're all about, isn't it? That's our raison d'etre. Before we before we get into this um, this episode, which is a belter, we're going to have a quick look at uh, some of the interviews Felicity Kendall's given over the years. Um, about playing Barbara and the character of Barbara because um, Felicity Kendall's a very different person than the sweet um, sort of subservient character that she plays on The Good Life, which she's at pains mm. to point out. Not that I think she is that subservient, really. She's she's quite fierce and stands up for herself, Barbara, but Felicity Kendall has, has sort of stressed over the years in different interviews that she's a completely different person. I think I mentioned in another podcast that she... She, she said she said she's had tons of affairs whenever she wanted and things like that in so, real life um, yeah 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 well she left um she left her husband to have an affair with tom stoppard the playwright mm. and then that fizzled out and she went back to her husband and but they never they never remarried but they've been together a long time and she's had yeah lots and lots of different relationships and right. you know, not not judging her for that but she's just quite open when she's talking about it so the first thing i'm just going to read to you is um from it's from a paywall article which i used a google chrome extension to bypass <laughs> <laughs> i think it was on on the times she says um to me acting is convincing people that you are what you are not i'm not interested in playing anyone like me why would i do that i do that all day 
Of course I love playing Barbara, but she was, up to a point, rather irritating. One of the misconceptions which I can take as a huge compliment is that people used to think that was what I was like. So you can, you know, you can see where she's coming from. And then she says, I always did have affairs when I wanted. Um, It's just how you are at the moment. Look, the aura of sweetness and light associated with Barbara Good has got bugger all to do with my life. (laughs) Wow, that's so honest, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, she's great. She's got an autobiography as well, which I'd love to read. Mm. And um, in a in a separate interview, she she says about Barbara, she wasn't a fantasy figure exactly, but she was the one that wasn't entirely real of the cast. The others were sort of people that everybody knew. Um, Barbara had all the ingredients: feisty, strong, but adoring, up for anything, very funny that people find attractive. And I think that's certainly mm. true. That is um, true. It's not just her looks, is it? It was just her, you know, a, a sense of fun. Barbara. Yeah, I think like the whole the the, the old um, sort of adage of men wanted to be with her and women wanted to be her, and I can mm. I can I can see that she was someone that you that you could look up to and admire and want to be want to be just like her, and I, and I think I don't know maybe this is like a bit of a sweeping generalization, but in the seventies I don't know I, I can't imagine there being many Barbaras. No, probably not. Certainly not willing to sort of make those sort of decisions about their life mm, on a yeah. whim like, like Barbara did. Yeah. But she goes on to say, um, it was a good creation that sort of grew and grew. I saw a clip of it the other day, and that is so not me that I think now from a distance, oh, that was really good acting. Oh, well, it was. <laughs> it very play, much it was. was. Yeah. yeah. But then she also draws a parallel to, um, uh, this was a few years ago, this interview, she draws a parallel to the character of Rachel in Friends. Okay. So she says, I do think the appeal to men of characters like Rachel and Barbara is exactly the same. It could be the same character, but then I think in popular culture there has always been a character like that, from those created by Jane Austen to those played by Doris Day and Jennifer Aniston. She mm. looks sweet, but she is perfectly able not to be. She has a sense of humour, and she absolutely loves men, but she isn't going to frighten them either. Which is exactly it, isn't it? That's Yeah. She's like a bit of, like a bit of an every woman, isn't she? Yeah, she's fun and and attainable, um, but not intimidating, which is obviously what a lot of men find um, can't handle women who, um, you know, are a little bit, oh, well, no, I've run into a bloody, I'm digging a hole for myself (laughs) here. You're in a cul-de-sac now. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let's abandon that before I say something I'll get in trouble for. Um, but I thought that was all, the, all, all those quotes that stitched together just showed like she had a great insight into that character she played she's a smart lady yeah she must have had a, a real understanding of, of what it was that she was doing um, and and perhaps even how, how important that role was um, for, for for viewers and for, for for herself as an actress as well She yeah she had a, a real depth of, of understanding of it this is this is a good episode for her as well, I think. So, um, I agree. Should, should we get stuck into it? Yay! Okay, so we're going to have a look at series two, episode six, "Home Sweet Home." Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. So this episode um, begins with the goods carrying a dead Perky or Pinky Perky. It's Perky. A dead perky into the kitchen. Tom very noisily making lots oh, of sighs and He did a lot of huffing and puffing. Yeah, that's par for the course. 
Yes. Um, and obviously, as a viewer, you're thinking, well, this seems a bit odd after the fuss in series one about the bloody, <laughs> not, you know, um, the pigs going to the slaughter. So it did seem a bit, oh, they've killed a pig. And then he bangs it on that table, which I'm not sure how hygienic it is to bung a carcass <laughs> of a pig on a table. Uh, but Margot comes in, doesn't she, wearing sort of a grot bag's wig on her shoulder. <laughs> grot bag's wig, she did. <laughs> I'm sure that'll get a mention later in Fashion Corner. And she's she's, to- she's totally baffled by the good's cutthroat attitude to this pig. And I can... Yeah. I can understand that. But um, Tom points out, of course, that it's just about practical living. That's that's what their lifestyle is. While, while Margot's busy asking about what's going on, why is there a, half a animal carcass on your table? Barbara tells her as well that it's, that it's Miss Mountshaft, <laughs> which I thought was a bit dark. <laughs> yeah. It's quite a good gag from Tom here as well, isn't it? I well, loved it. Well, Margot says, um, why is one half of your pig a sheep? And Tom says, it had a split personality. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the idea that they'd obviously they'd, they'd reared these pigs um, with the intention all along to to slaughter them for food and, and had done a swap as well and got half a half a sheep carcass for, mm. for half of half of Perky. It's very enterprising, so fair play mm. to the goods. Yes. Um and Mar- Margot then proceeds to make a big song and dance um, out of some news that she's had, which is basically just that the new neighbours, Mr. and Mrs. Weaver, meet her approval. And yes. the goods are to- totally underwhelmed at this news because it's really not that much of uh, an interest to them. But uh, we find out really that Margot essentially approves of them because she's visited them. They have a ceramic umbrella stand, a split-level cooker and no paperbacks. I know, that's all the ingredients of a, of a great neighbour. That's going to fit into the avenue. Well, as as Tom and Barbara sort of wheedle out of her, basically, she's a conservative and she's not northern. <laughs> so they're onto a winner, and they're they're teasing her. And uh, Margot says, I, "I could smack your face sometimes, Tom." And I thought, "Yeah, I'm with you there." <laughs> yeah, you can get in the queue. Although he, I, I quite like it when he's teasing Margot, uh, as long as it's not being making her uncomfortable with the. You know, some of the things he does when he's flirting. But um I know. We get um Margot admitting to a snobbery effectively. She does own it, doesn't she? She sort of says She does. Um, yeah, this is me. And um she even admits that she finds the goods a blight on the avenue, but announces that she's risen like a phoenix from the fires of the goods' eccentricity, and that nothing can shock her about their way of life. Which is a bit rich <sighs> given her reaction to the bloody cadaver in the kitchen. Exactly. Yeah, she has just um, just been a bit upset in the kitchen, and um, she, yeah, to, to say that nothing nothing could shock her now, it's a bit of a stretch, isn't it? It is, yeah. But I do like the fact that Margot owns her uh, the negative sides of her personality. She's just like this she is does. the way I am, you know. Uh, she's confident in herself, which is part of her appeal, I think. Um, Tom takes great pleasure in telling Margot all about the boar stud coming over to give Pinky a good seeing to. Yeah, the pig pimp. Hmm. And obviously Margot is immediately aghast that she will be able to see the goings on <laughs> in the in the pig pen from her garden. And then uh, even more aghast when she realises that so will Mrs. Weaver from the other side of the fence. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Just Tom double says, voyeurs. Uh, of Tom says, well, she, could, she could watch if she likes. <laughs> <laughs> this 
should have started charging. It sounds like they could have um, done a done a great trade in in pig pond. I like the way this scene ends as well because Margot does that thing that she's done to in pre in previous um, episodes, like with the um, the telephone man when she just said good day and walks off. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, Margot just says good morning and leaves, doesn't she? She's like, right, well, I'm not happy, so I might as well go. <laughs> I like that. I think I'm, I think I might I might start doing that myself actually when things just don't go as I want. Goodbye. Well, we know how this episode's ending then, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> so we see the boar uh, arrive with his handler and and that the, the boar meets Pinky. We don't see any graphic pig shagging at this point, do no, we? No. No, that would have been a that would have been too far, but yeah, that is um the 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 boar heads into the um the, the pen with with Pinky. It's Pinky that's left, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, and Margot's erected a sort of makeshift screen out of a blanket, hasn't she? So she doesn't she have to witness it. <laughs> but she's behind. She's behind it in the pagoda, doing some of that magic watering with a with a magic watering can. Um, and you think if you were that, if you're going to be that offended, you'd just stay in, wouldn't you, with the curtain shut? Well, yeah, she's going to hear pigs squealing and stuff. She's yeah. not like that, is she? She hasn't thought it through. No. Unless she just wants to be out there to um, to show her outrage, but uh, the pig handler, Mister Mister May, was it Mister May? May. Yeah. yeah, he's clearly a bit of a bumpkin, isn't he? He's uh, <laughs> he's a uh, yeah a stereotype of sorts because when the goods take him into the kitchen and give him a drop of the peapod, he barely blinks, does he? To the good surprise. After after the, the the reactions that we've had in previous weeks, this was one where yeah, it didn't even touch the sides. I don't think. He even says like, it could do with a drop more alcohol. Because <laughs> um, he's he's got that sort of Somerset accent, even though yeah, he's just, outside, all he's just farmers outside in London. the world have. <laughs> Get off my land. Uh. Uh, and so, I mean, Tom's basically trying to avail himself of Mr. May's farming expertise in order to learn how to improve his operation, which is commendable. Yes. Tom just doesn't want to hear the... It's not really constructive criticism, is it? It's He's trying to be really helpful and he's trying to be quite a, a guiding hand for the goods um, with his advice, which Tom, um, know-it-all Tom, doesn't really want to take. No, he just wants to show off, doesn't he? And he's mm. he's a bit put out when Mr. May quite bluntly tells him that they're just playing at it and it seems like a hobby to him. It's all very nice, but uh, you're just playing at it, aren't you? We are not. This is our way of life. Oh, dear. Seem more like just hobby. Yeah, the goods don't really want to hear it. The advice about Geraldine being being taken up to the... Um, the, the the land up at the common, um, but then she's still got to get back, and she needs the food that she's just eaten to get back, and and it's all really really sort. You could tell it was like just really helpful stuff for someone that wanted to have um, a self sustainable lifestyle, um, but they just didn't. Yeah, they just it didn't seem to sort of want to hear it. No, but he does soften, I suppose. You get you know the the guys basically he lays it out for them. He points out the setup is 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 about self sufficiency, but it's not mm. actually. It being efficient they're wasting resources with everything they're doing and making life harder for themselves so he sort of says why don't you just move out to the country and buy some real land you know and tom does swallow his pride and he sort of takes mr may's advice to look at a more sizable small holding of yes eight 
eight acres, Farley's place. Farley, Farley's place. (laughs) Go and have a look at Farley's place. Oh. So So they yeah, so they go and have a look. He's basically saying, if you want to do it, become a farmer. Don't do this shit. It doesn't work. He's he's on he's Mm. he's singing from Monty Don's hymn sheet. Isn't he? He is. I, I I felt quite sad though because it's they, they look a bit crestfallen that what they think is like the idyllic life that they wanted and that and they're doing it they're in the midst of it aren't they? Um, but it's yeah it's just not quite it's not quite not not that it's not quite right but it's just there's ways of doing it better and I suppose we all know that when someone says that you could do it better it, you just feel a bit shit don't you? Yeah, you feel like you failed, but yeah, you, they're just. They're trying to fail upwards. They're just trying to get better at it. Exactly. You, you learn from your mistakes, don't you? And mm. I think it's quite. I mean, they want to. They want to compromise. They want a bit of both, which is ultimately what we see as the episode ends. Because I mean, the goods do go, and they get a lift from Mister May, avoiding. Mm. They don't ride with the pig stud out back, but they they get a lift from him <laughs> to check out Farley's place. Mm. And the next, the next we see, we don't see them checking out this small holding, but we see Mister May dropping them off at the train station, head back to the city, and they don't actually have any money for the train. So they no money. They have to hide. They have to hide at the ticket machine and then walk home. Yeah, I think they hitchhike as well, don't they? Because back in Surbiton, we see Margot holding court with Mrs. Weaver. <gasps> Mrs. Weaver. Who did Mrs. Weaver sound like to you? No, I didn't pick up on any similarity. Oh, no. Oh, um, I thought she sounded a lot like Maggie Thatcher. Really? I'll have to go back and check that again. She had that, you know, that sort of like back of the throat way of talking that that Margaret Thatcher was taught to do. I thought she sounded very much like that. Exactly, that Margaret Thatcher cultivated. It wasn't a natural speaking voice, It wasn't. It was to to sound more sort of... um, to speak with more authority. And I thought that Mrs. Weaver... So, I see, I thought that you would instantly not like her. Yes, Mrs. Ledbetter, but that is East Serverton, isn't it? I didn't, I didn't see enough of her to form an opinion, but I was actually okay. just... I was quite pleased for Margot to have a uh, kindred spirit that she could... Um, <laughs> yeah. You know. And Jerry's there as well, but he's not listening to the conversation. He just seems to be checking out Mrs. Weaver and leching on her. He is. Yeah. And Margot called him Jeremy again. Yeah, she she sort of Sunday named him again. Obviously, when she when she caught him looking at Mrs. Weaver's boobs. But while while um, Margot's holding court with Mrs. Weaver, the goods kind of ruin this facade of the <laughs> neighbourhood being, um, you know, a very middle class by turning up on the back of a van they've hitched home on. Yeah, there was an oi oi again. There was another oi oi. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Yeah, another oi oi. I'm sure that's three three episodes <gasps> in a row that we've had oi ois in. Hello, Margot. Wait, wait. See, we we should we need to drop the um the tab tab and and start an oi oi tab now. I think. I think you're right. Oi oi. So then, um, I think we see that Tom has has made a decision, a unilateral decision, hasn't he? At this point, it's a bit like episode one, where his enthusiasm totally yes. overtakes him, jumping up and down and getting all excited and trying to whip. Um, Barbara up into a frenzy as well. Yeah. He's so wrapped up in his excitement, he totally railroads her, doesn't he? Because mm. Barbara's been sat trying to come up with ways of making their own property and plans a bit better uh, based mm. on, on, on what Mr. May said. Uh, and Tom 
sort of, like you say, just railroads through all this and rips up, rips up all the notes, which is a bit crappy. That's the bit that, oh, that's one of my sort of Tom hating moments when he just rips yeah. it up. I mean, I know he's got his own plan, but it's just so rude, isn't it? He's just like, mm. well, this is useless. Rips up her work. Yeah. Um, yep. Having been really offended by Mr. May sort of doing the same thing to his, like, um, metaphorically doing the same thing to him, saying, well, your ideas are a bit bit rubbish, so why not do it this way? Um, and yeah. he's doing the same to Barbara. Poor Barbara. And Barbara, she's um, she's not as enthusiastic this time around as she was in the very first episode of the show, is she? No, she's, she's not. She's sort of... Um, well, he's, like, he's railroading, but he's also, he's like... He sits on her and he's slapping away at her arm and mm. he's, practic- he's practically yelling at her in his fervour and she can't even think, the poor girl. Yeah. So uh, I think what you see is basically Tom taking Barbara's lack of a counter-argument because he is talking sense, at least um, mm. logistically, um, as he takes that as coalescence that it's happening and she's just shell-shocked. Yes, been taken unawares. Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. life. Then we get to my favourite scene in this episode. Was this your favourite scene? (laughs) I I did enjoy this one because I thought it was quite telling. It's just, I just love the fact that Jerry sat there throwing shapes while he's listening to the New Seekers. The New Seekers with his his sort of like imaginary dancing partner with his (laughs) his massive cans on his head. I just thought it was great. It's just some of the shapes he was throwing were brilliant. (laughs) <laughs> it, that seems almost enough to get getting the MVP for me. We'll find out. In a bit. <laughs> but uh, Margot's trying to talk to him about missing Tom and Barbara when they go, and um, he's too busy enjoying the new seekers. <laughs> he is. He's loving the new seekers. But this, the the thing that I found quite funny about about this scene was that um, Margot's jealousy of of Jerry and Barbara is hinted at quite heavily in this scene um, because Margot's talking about missing Tom and Barbara and every time he mentions Barbara, every time she mentions Barbara, sorry, um, yeah, Jerry's sort of very insistent that he's going to miss Barbara, um, which did tickle me. Yeah, he's quite skillfully adept at getting out of that situation and turning it into a compliment for Margot. Yes, every time, every time. There's always always like a backhanded compliment for, for Margot, I think. He's got an. He's he's experienced. He knows how to manipulate the situation at this point. After yeah. God knows how many years of marriage to Margot, this high maintenance woman. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so um, Barbara arrives. Yes. Margot gives a hug, and Jerry tries to cop a feel, but he's <laughs> headed off at the pass by Margot. <laughs> and and poor Barbara goes to pieces, doesn't she? Oh, she just crumbles. She really doesn't want to move and leave that house. No. She's just, she's being stoic, isn't she? But the, the letters, they, they point out that she's got to tell Tom how she feels. Yeah, she's she's concerned that um, while she's always trying to be logical, rational and reasoned, um, but she doesn't want to leave this house behind, but doesn't want to appear to Tom as though she can't cope and that she's just being silly. Hmm. Margot says she's going to tell him and Barbara goes angry Barbara on her, doesn't she? She does, yeah. She goes up very quickly and tells them both to, to, to not do that. She doesn't want Tom to know at all. <laughs> That's another T-shirt we should get done, up like a chippy. <laughs> up like a chippy. 
<laughs> um, Barbara labels herself a silly emotional woman and then sort of cries as she leaves. And, and Margot just takes that up prompt to um, lambast Jerry for his... his he's like a, the representative of mankind. <laughs> she says, uh, the male animal has a lot to answer for. Well, thank you very much, Jerry. So in the, the next scene, we see Tom doing a bit of painting in the kitchen, preparing the house ready for, for selling. Um, and Jerry arrives with his briefcase ready to head off to um, to work. Um, and he says that he's got a possible buyer for the house. So things just seem to be sort of set in motion already. Jerry does so much for these two, doesn't he? He, he wasn't even asked and there he is, busy in, busy in a way in the background. <clears throat> I wonder what, commi- wonder what commission he's going to get. Oh, God, yeah. What's he going to buy himself out of that? Another boat, probably. I think he'll buy a boat, yeah. he'd buy. I think he was devastated about the boat going back, so I bet he, I bet he, he buys himself a boat. I loved, I'd have loved it if there was a recurring trope that Jerry gets a boat and it gets taken away every four episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That'd have been great. Oh. But yeah, and, and then, of course, Tom comes clean, doesn't he, about wanting to stay? Yeah, so he's feeling exactly the same way as Barbara. He's wandering around his house, touching things and feeling all sentimental, mm. um, but unaware that, that Barbara feels the same. And Jerry Jerry nearly lets the cat out of the bag that Barbara has been like that. But then, I mean, yeah. a lot a lot of people would be very conflicted at that moment, wouldn't they? But, but Jerry's just like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> the game sold Yeah, don't I'm get involved, in. Jerry. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. But then... Um, we see Barbara and Tom um, together in the kitchen and Barbara just lets it all out. She tells him everything about how she's feeling, about not wanting to leave their house. She wants to grow old there. Um, mm. And I, I get that. I think that, that's, yeah, I'm so glad that it got to the stage that she told him before anyone turns up viewing the house. Yeah. And then clearly played for laughs, obviously, you've got the situation where instead of fronting up Tom... Acts like he'll make the sacrifice for her, the sort of silly emotional woman. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't fall on his sword, does he? He just um he sort of rings it out for as much as he can get and lets her think that um he's doing it for her. Yeah. Okay, I'll stay. Plays lots of little games, doesn't he? As if to try and curry uh like currency in their relationship. It's manipulative yes. really. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, but then when she realises it, she calls him a toad and chases yeah. him with a lot of eggs. <laughs> yeah, because usually she just sort of lets him off with his little um, dishonesties. Mm. But she's not happy with this one, is she? And she chases him out no. into the avenue where Paul Margot's conversing with Mrs. Weaver. Um, and then, of course, Margot is going to be absolutely crestfallen and embarrassed again when Barbara throws something at Tom and it hits Mrs. Weaver. I don't know what she threw, do you? It was an egg. She threw one of the oh, eggs. An egg was it? Oh. And it smashes on. It smashes on Mrs. Weaver's coat. I think, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. Made me laugh. What made me laugh was uh, Tom's reaction. Just sort of turns around and legs it like a little boy, doesn't he? <laughs> they like run little, off. They run off laughing. Like a little boy who's been caught out, like trespassing in the garden to get his football back or something. Like, oh, <laughs> He's such a such a man child, but sometimes it's endearing. Like in that scene, it was endearing. Hmm. What did you think of this episode? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I really liked it because it um, 
Yeah, a lot of sitcoms from this, you know, from this day and age that we cover and we'll cover other shows obviously in the future, the comedy takes prescience over the drama and the storytelling. Mm. Um, with a lot of shows from this era, but I mean, if you if you compare it to modern shows, there's a lot of dramedies, isn't there? There's a lot of shows that are billed as comedies, but the story. I've been watching one um, with uh, Daisy Haggard in this week and and Martin Freeman called right. Breeders. Have you seen that? I've heard of it. I've not seen it. Um, and it's there's there's comedy in it and there's humour in it, but it's mainly sort of drama about where the story's going. Back in the 70s, okay. it was all about the comedy. And then writers like these guys and also John Sullivan started writing mm. shows that weren't, weren't just comedic. They they had a lot of pathos to them, you know? Yeah. And this, yeah. this, is, this is a really well-written episode that shows and the dynamics of both marriages, albeit there's only a brief scene in the Ledbetters that shines a light on Margot's jealousy. Yeah. But it's just so well written and it was very funny as well. So yes, I did like it. Did you? Excellent. I did. Um, I did like it. I, I liked the it sort of um, shining the light on the individual characters quite a lot. And we got to see, um, I think, them more in depth. Um, and you can, you can sort of see them as people rather than just like an ensemble of characters together. Mm. Um, and I like the fact that it, it picked out different characteristics of each each of the characters in this in this particular episode. Uh, fashion Corner. Let's go. Fashion Corner, Fashion Corner. Fashion Corner, Fashion Corner. Margot in this episode, as usual, um, has an array of things to mention in Fashion Corner. So initially, um, her first costume um, in one of the opening scenes was her um, giving good news outfit that she has on, Mm. uh, which consisted of um, like a black dress and cloak with, I think, what you described as Grotbank's wig. Yeah, um, which I think, which I think was like um, quite an elegant chrysanthemum um, pinned to the the front of the dress, um, and she she was wearing that to go and deliver the good news of um, the weavers moving into the avenue, um, and she looked while looking quite stylish. She did look a little bit like she was going to a funeral, um, so I don't know how that sort of um, transcends into giving good news, um, but she, she in a very Margot way, she looked amazingly stylish. Um, when Margot is out in the avenue chatting with um, new neighbour Mrs Weaver, they've both got like neckerchiefs on, which is the first we've seen of female characters with neckerchiefs. We've, we've seen a lot of neckerchief action and cravat action from the male characters um, in The Good Life, but this is um, this is this was a new one. This um, is a chickerchief. A chickerchief. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I can imagine those two having like a neckerchief off. Um, to see who could have the most splendid of neckerchief. Um, I can see that those, yeah, Mrs. Weaver, I can imagine getting in on the action um, of, of, of who can have the best neckerchief on. Um, she, Margot again appears in, um, I think we've had this before, the leopard print moo-moo um, that she swans around the house drinking gin in, in the afternoon. Um, and then the shirt and cravat combo I think we've seen in quite a few episodes now from Jerry, um, but it's one of my faves. It really is the print of it and the colours are, are, are stunning. They're like um, like a petroly blue topaz. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Does it make you go all effort. weaker than it these? Did. Does it? Yeah, it's it's a it's a really cool it's a, it's a fab shirt. 
really is. I love it. I love it. Every time it pops up, I, yeah, it, may, it does make me make me happy. So I said, yeah, I think that I think that's it for fashion corner this week from me. Okay. Have you got an MVP this week, Al, or is it jury I do. out? Uh, no, I've, the jury's not out. Um, I have got a definite MVP for this week, and my MVP is Jerry this week. Okay. Jerry. I've chosen Jerry um, because um, he's always sort of beavering away in the background, isn't it, for the goods, um, doing things that they probably don't even notice in order to help them and further their cause, whether it's getting a buyer to come and look at the house without being asked um, or just being there in a kind of sleazy way sometimes um, to comfort good old Barbara. Um, but he's, he's he's always on hand. He's a, he's a good egg. No yes. pun intended for with the egg all over Mrs. Weaver at the end. Um, but he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's there and he's a, he's a, he's a good friend. Um, yes, so yeah, definitely guy. this week, he's my, he's my choice this week. What about you? Uh, I think I'll join you in Jerry corner and, um, yeah, <laughs> for, for all the reasons you've outlined, but one yeah. other reason, which I touched on earlier, which is just the, the mad shapes that he's throwing when he's listening to the yeah, new Yeah, the dancing. I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> The seti disco that he has on his own. And Margot, of course, wants to know why he's not listening to um, classical German masters and calls yeah. him a philistine, but he doesn't give a shit. He's too busy boogieing down to the New Seekers. <laughs> Gin and the New Seekers yep. is what makes a Wednesday night for, for, for good old Jerry, isn't it? Well, that and a curry and copy of Razzle. But yeah, yeah, effectively. Yeah, he's got it. He's, he's got it all going on, Auntie Jerry. We should have a soft porn tab. We got the tab tab, the soft porn tab, and the oi oi tab. <gasps> have the what has there been any more soft porn since the one? Did she did she find it? Have I made this up? Or did she find some in the um in the in the poof? I think that might be a future episode. I think he's he's definitely had two pieces of soft porn. Oh, okay, uh, and he also had a little look at the page three model. Oh, he did in, in the, the paper when he when the, when the sun arrived. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he had a good gulp. <laughs> I like Jerry. So that's this episode. Do you know what's? Um, I think next week's the 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 last one of series two, isn't it? What's it called? It is. It's called Going to Pot. Oh yeah, where they all smoke loads of marijuana. I don't. No, I don't think they do. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually trying to cast my mind back then and go. Oh. No, they don't do that. Um, going to pot. It's to do with um, pottery classes. Oh yes, that does ring a bell. Yeah. And a commission from Mrs. Weaver. Yes, yeah, that does that does ring a bell. That's quite good, I think that one. So, if you want to check us out on Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at Saddle Podcast. Um, on Facebook, you can find us by searching for Saddle Podcast. We have a website www.saddle.club where you can get more information or listen to episodes. Get in touch and email us at saddopodcast at gmail.com. And please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, um, I don't know. What, what's your podcast listening app that you use, Al? I just use podcast on my on my Apple phone. Oh, you got an Apple phone. Yeah, I use uh, yeah. Podcast Addict. And I notice there's quite a lot right. of re- reviews for the shows I listen to on there. You can leave reviews on most of these um, apps or channels where you listen to podcasts. So it doesn't have to be iTunes. And it helps us out, helps us get found. So that would be most most appreciated. Yes, thanks. Thanks for listening. Uh, join us next week when we're going to have a look at Going to Pop. I'll see you. Good morning. <laughs>